0: I would consider last week um, probably the last sermon in um, the series that I've been preaching on uh, the things that we believe to just uh, reaffirm them in your own hearts, or maybe to teach you the things that we believe if you have never heard those things. Uh, And I went through six or seven um, different topics, and they all ultimately pointed to that salvation is of the lord Amen. and that for those that um, believe and those that are convicted over their sins and those that have a desire to call out to god and pray to god that those are all evidences that the lord has done something very special for you um, and that he has uh, chosen you from before the foundation of the world and uh, redeemed you through the blood of jesus christ and i thought that it might be uh, profitable Uh, until the Lord takes these things off my mind from here forward for a while at least to talk to you about some common questions or things that that you may be presented with if you are discussing the things that we believe with somebody. Um, I know when I first began to see these things and understand these things it wasn't just necessarily um, I see it you know all loose ends are tied up it's crystal clear and i'm good to go and i'm going to be a primitive baptist for the rest of my life uh it really was i see what the bible says about this i believe what the bible says about this but i also as i continue reading through the bible i see things that that make me struggle with it i see things that uh maybe uh in my own understanding seem make it seem like it's There are things that contradict what what uh the primitive Baptists have been saying and i would say it took me several years of uh you know with the help of brother tim and some other brothers of of saying hey I, i see what the bible says here on this how does that harmonize how does that fit in with all the things that that uh that we've been talking about and i think that's a normal process i don't think that means that you're unintelligent doesn't mean that you're unspiritual. I think it just means sometimes when you've been taught something and and, uh, it's kind of ingrained in your mind, sometimes it takes a little time to unteach those things and make things harmonize. Thankfully, I can say that every time that those questions came up, I would see with a little bit of help and a little bit of study how they all perfectly harmonize. I do not have to cut anything out of my Bible or mark it out with a Sharpie because it doesn't seem to fit. And I'm thankful for that because if I knew that hey there's a section over there somewhere in the book of Colossians that really just tears down everything that I believe, I would really struggle believing anything. So it's 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 a it's a pleasure and it's very sweet to the soul to have the Bible harmonized from front to back. But it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of study. And so I wanted to, to talk, start this morning, and, and for however long you know these things are on my mind, we'll do that, but um, I would title this sermon this morning, Take Up Your Bed. And I want to read a passage here in Mark, the second chapter, because one of the things, if, if you're talking with somebody and you've gone, through, <clears throat> you've gone through the authority of God's word and the sovereignty of God with them, and you've gone through the depravity of man and election and atonement, and um the new birth and you've kind of just laid everything out and and ultimately come to the to the end result of based on everything that the bible has said that that we've talked about there's no other way you can look at salvation other than to say it is solely of the lord and it's funny that that very statement salvation is of the lord you know that's what got jonah out of the belly of the It was when Jonah cried, salvation is of the Lord, that the whale spit him out. So don't take that statement lightly. Amen. But what you might hear from somebody is, okay, if what you're telling me is salvation is totally of the Lord, well, well and, and I believe that, that, that the Lord has done something for me, well, what now? What am I supposed to do now if you're telling me everything's of the Lord? There's something ingrained in people um, that they want to do something. They want to they want to contribute in in some way. And uh, one one of the ways you'll find resistance in talking about these things to people is when man comes to the realization that when it comes to salvation, that he is cut out of the picture other than he is the recipient of it. Sometimes they don't like that because they want to do something. Well, let me tell you, there's plenty to do after the fact. Now, Mark, the second chapter, let me read this to you, starting in. Uh, verse one, very familiar passage here, and he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. This is speaking of Jesus entered into Capernaum, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no not so much as about the door, and He preached the word unto them, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy or somebody that is paralyzed, which was born of four, meaning there were four people carrying him, <clears throat> and when they could not come. 9 to him for the press they uncovered the roof where he was and when they had broken it up they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay when jesus saw their faith he said unto the sick of the palsy son thy sins be forgiven i've always found that very interesting because if i would have been the, the the paralytic or if i would have been one of the people that just spent time tearing the roof off and lowering him down and Jesus looks at this man and says, your sins are forgiven, I would have said, that's not really why we were here. You know, I mean, I appreciate that, but we're here because my friend is paralyzed. I mean, think of it from from a human perspective. We would say, that's not why we're here. It says, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. What a, what a great account in the Bible. And there are many accounts like this where the Lord healed. But this, this specific account here is something that, that I feel like paints a beautiful picture of what a child of God is to do once the work of the Lord has been upon him. And in this situation, um, we find a man that's paralyzed. And listen, he knows he's paralyzed. I told you about the time that I woke up one morning and I had no feeling in my thumb at all, could not move it. It wasn't just asleep. It was completely paralyzed. If you're paralyzed, you know it. You know something is wrong and something is not working. And so this man, very aware, you know, he, we wiggle our toes, we move our legs and, and uh, you know, we feel pain or, or sensations in our legs when something uh, touches them. This man has none of that. And so he's laying on this bed and he's brought to Jesus. Now, when Jesus comes to him and Jesus says, arise, OK, in order for this man to arise, the Lord has to first give him the ability to arise that's that just makes good sense right so if i went up to the man and said hey arise he would say i have no feeling in my legs i can't do that if you would have done it same answer in order for this man to obey the commandments of god something has to happen to him first there has to be a life a healing put back in the dead limbs of this man. Now, we talked last week about the new birth, where the Lord puts spiritual life back into a dead spirit. Now, here he tells this man, arise. And again, before he does, uh, is able to obey that, the Lord has to do something for him that he could not achieve on his own. Neither could any man give him what he needed to obey. The Lord had to do a work in him first. And the second thing that had to happen after he got the command was he had to obey it. Now, think about that. So he tells the man to arise. Now, the first thing the man had to have thought, he had to have recognized something has happened to me. This man that is standing before me has done something to me. Before he ever got off his bed, he had to have felt life come back into his legs. He had to have felt the tingling in his toes and he, he wiggled his toes and maybe he's been... He, he knew this man has done something for me now first. He was aware of it. He recognized it. And then... He had to submit to the authority of what the man was telling him to do. You see that? Life came into him first. And then Jesus says, arise. And now that he's recognized that this man has done something for him, he's got to make the decision, am I going to obey him? Now, if he would have stayed on his bed, does that mean that the Lord still didn't do something for him? He could have laid on his bed and said, Man, I I think I'm good. I mean, I'm good. I'm going to let these guys carry me back home. And then I'll get up and walk. He had the option to do something or not do something. But the Lord, either way, had already done something for him. His responsibility was to obey by getting up and taking his bed and leaving. Now, it's, it's interesting to me, too, that the Lord told him to take up his bed. Now, I don't know exactly what this is. I'll, I've always pictured like a stretcher, some sort of, of, of stretcher in, back in that day. And I thought about this. And, when, and Jesus says, I want you to get up. I want you to take up your bed and I want you to walk and go, thy way, go thine way. And I thought, I wonder why he told him to take his bed. Why didn't he tell him to leave his bed? Why didn't he just tell him to get up? And I wonder if Jesus told him to take your bed so every time you look at your bed, you will remember what you were. Because the Bible speaks about that. Paul even says, remember what you were, how in past times you were alienated and darkened in your mind. I think sometimes we need to remember what we were before the Lord. Now, he tells him, take up your bed and walk, and the man walks. What was the end result of that obedience? Well, it says, he immediately arose, he took up the bed, and this is perfect obedience, and went forth before them all. What was the result of all of this? It says, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Never seen anything like this. Now, the question is, how does that relate to what you would hear people say uh, or called discipleship? You say, okay, Luke, you tell me that I am, I am born again solely by the, by the sovereign work of God at his appointed time and it blows like the wind. If I feel that, if I feel at some point that life coming into me, if I wake up one day and I recognize the Lord has done something for me. I feel different than I've ever felt. You may have never felt that possibly because that's all you've ever known. Maybe you were born again in the womb, but I know people that don't have that experience. Uh, If you remember Brother Anyani Martin talking about his experience that uh, from what it sounds like by his own admission, he was a wretch. I mean, he was a terrible, terrible person. You know, ugly to his wife and and his family. And his testimony is that one day, instead of looking at my wife with just that angst and hatred and just bitterness, I looked on her and I was overcome with compassion. Brothers and sisters, that is life coming into those dead legs. That means that the Lord had visited Brother Martin first. Then what? What? Then he says, you need to take up your bed and you need to walk and all that are around you will see and glorify God. Do you think there's people over in Africa right now that knew him before? I saw a picture, I don't know if you saw it, a picture on Facebook the other day that had, uh, he, uh, w- what did he say about it? He said uh, something along the lines of Finally. And it was a picture of their little church. uh, Nothing like this. Picture of their little church. And on the front, it was painted. uh, I think it was First Primitive Baptist Church of of wherever. You think there's people that knew him beforehand and said, I don't know what got into him. What if you would have been sitting on the street talking to your friend and you would have looked up and saw that man carrying his bed? You would have been like. Is that Joe? Is that that the guy that's been paralyzed all this time? And don't you think, say, Joe, what happened to you? I'm just using Joe, you know. What happened to you? Something has changed in you. Your legs are moving and you're walking. Let me tell you what happened to me. Jesus came to me and did something for me first. And then he told me to do something. Listen, the responsibilities and, and the obligation of a born-again child of God to listen to what their master says and wholeheartedly and fully obey it is important. And there's no end to, to obedience. There are people out there that have had such a dramatic change that it is easy to see life come into them, not into their legs, into their spirit and have a complete and total change, their responsibility is to pick up their bed and walk so men will see them and glorify God. We talked about that last week. Let your light show shine before men that men may see your good works and glorify God. Amen. Now, how does that relate to our discipleship? What is discipleship? discipleship? Discipleship means to be a disciple, a student, or a follower. You know, there's that goofy, silly thing that we do nowadays where we follow people. You know, oh, there's a, there's a, a, I cannot think of one single celebrity right now, but there's a, a a famous athlete. Oh, there's his page. I'm going to, I'm going to follow him. Look, we do it. You do it. It's silly. I don't know why we do it. We're just fast. We want to follow them. That's what a disciple is. It's seeing Jesus and all that he is and saying, there is something burning inside of me to follow him. Do you know why you follow the athletes of the world? The celebrities of the world, Ah, uh, Taylor Swift, I finally got one. Do you know why you follow Taylor Swift on all your little devices? Is so you can know more about her. I want to see her little Instagram picture of her holding her puppy. I want to see what she had for breakfast. I want to know more about her. Discipleship is following Jesus with a burning desire to know more about him. And here it is. You don't have to click anything. Amen. That's what discipleship is now. In order for that to happen, in order for us to have a you know, uh, in order for us to have a desire to follow. The Lord has to do his work first. The Lord has to bring life into that dead body. Now. You say, well. All we've got to do, some people will tell you this, all you've got to do is, is believe. And if you believe, then the Lord will put that life inside of you. Do you know, let me read this verse to you here in Philippians, the first chapter. We talked um, a couple of weeks ago about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Things that you receive, things that you are given. When the Lord brings that spiritual life, he says, Ah, belief is belief is not given to me. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him. You see, belief is something that is given to us. Now, are you going to exercise it or not? I don't know. This man right here that laid on his bed, he was given the ability to walk, but he had to make the conscious effort to get up and do it. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Belief is something that's given to us because we don't have the ability in and of ourselves to do it. And I've already in the past sermons, I've already given you a lot of that that in our depraved fallen nature we don't want to believe in God. We can't believe in God. What does Jesus say? He says, "Ye believe me not because ye are not of my sheep." You lack the ability to believe because you're not one of mine because unto you it is a given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe. Belief and faith and love and all those things are given to us just like this man was given life in his limbs. Now, the question is, what are you going to do with it? I think about, let me give you this as, as I wind down here, in, in um, Acts, the ninth chapter. We talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago about Saul. In Acts, the ninth chapter, here's a man who, if, if I could say it this way, has dead spiritual legs. And it says in Acts, the ninth chapter, and Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. He is an uh, an antagonist against Jesus Christ. He does not like anybody preaching about Jesus Christ insomuch that he will take you and he will throw you in the prisons, possibly have you killed, consenting to your death like he did uh, with Stephen. And it says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, at this point, He is not 100% based on what I read in the Bible. He's not 100% who's talking to him. Because he says, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. Whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, it is only after... He hears who he's actually, the voice of who he's actually hearing. It is only then that the Bible tells us he trembling, he was trembling and astonished. You get that? Notice what he didn't say. All right, he's taken the letters, he is against Jesus and anybody that serves Jesus. He hears a voice, it startles him, he falls down, and he says, Who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus. Notice he didn't say, Well, well, well. Finally, I get to have an encounter with you because I have got a bone to pick with you. I am sick of what these people are saying about you. And you see these letters and he didn't give him what for. Why? Because I believe at that moment, life was put into his spiritually dead limbs, if you will. And he felt something different. And what did he say? He didn't say, here we go. I'm fixing to give you a mouthful. He said, what will thou have me do? He recognized something had been done different. He recognized life had been put in me just like the lame man recognized first that life had been put in his limbs. Then he's got to make the conscious decision. Am I going to get up off my bed? Saul has got to make the decision. Am I going to submit to this authority that I've been against for so long? And he says, what will thou have me do? There's the submission. Now, that's in verse 6. I will not read to you verse 6 to verse 20, but you need to go read it for the sake of time. I don't have to go through it. But read about what happens next. At no point in any of those verses do you find Paul, Saul, being resistant to the Lord. And in verse 20, it says, 14 verses later, and straightway... He preached what? Christ. He preached Jesus Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. If you go back and you read about in the very first part of that chapter, he is now preaching. He has now become the person he was sent going to persecute. That's right. Why? Why? Because life had been put inside of him. And then he had to make the decision, will I click the follow button? Will I follow him? Do I want to know more about him? Oh, and that was a common trait of the disciples. Do you remember, uh, if I've got this right, when the disciples were, uh, the two were on the road to Emmaus. And they meet the Lord and they don't know that it's him. But there's something about him that just made them burn And they just beg, come with us, stay with us, talk to us. That also happened to Andrew uh, and some of the other disciples. When they meet him, they're like, come stay with us and just talk to us. I want to, in modern uh, terms, I want to look at your Instagram. I want to look at your face. I want to know all I can know about you. I want to follow you. Listen, I mean, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan. I'm sorry that, you know, if you are, I'm not trying to offend you, but I couldn't care less (laughs) about what she has for breakfast or what she's going to be doing tomorrow. None of that interests me. The Lord ought to interest us. And if we spend more time following all these people of the world and not following the Lord, God help us. You are in the clutches of darkness and probably don't even realize it. But Saul submitted. Now here it is. So what about you? The question is, what can I do? What now? If everything you've said tr- is true, Luke, and the Lord is sovereign, meaning I have no part in my salvation, I have no part in my new birth, or what part do I have? You have a lifetime of taking up your bed and following the Lord so that men may see that and possibly say, We have never seen anything like this. Praise God if you do that. And listen, you may be sitting here this morning and saying, oh, I've got too much of a past. Let me me tell you, the Lord can do anything as far as how much of an impact we have. But listen, the guy that's born again in his mother's womb, that's raised up loving the Lord and always trying to follow the Lord and do it, he has an impact. But brothers and sisters, Saul had an impact much greater than that, in my opinion, because he wasn't that way. He was wretched and wreaked havoc on the church. You may be here this morning and said, I've done nothing but wreak havoc against the cause of Christ. You may have a testimony more powerful than anybody that's followed Christ their whole life. Don't turn a blind eye to that. But what you need to do is take up your bed and walk so that people would see it. That's what we need to do as born-again children of God is to obey. I hope that's been profitable to you, and please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.